0: Welcome to Prepping 1.0, where you'll learn all about Prepping Basics, or as we like to call it, Beans, Bullets, and Band-Aids. Aaron Masters will equip you with the know-how to make sure your family is ready for anything, be it a pandemic, weather event, or any other unforeseen calamity. A serious topic with a smile. Here's Aaron.
1: Hi all, welcome to another episode of Prepping 1.0, where we talk about beans, bullets, and band-aids, the essentials, the basics of prepping, because you have to start somewhere and you really want to have a good foundation. So I'm trying to um, help you all with that as I kind of learn myself. I've been in the prepping game for about 10 years, but I think about five of that I would have to say is only in a study mode because I was in Beijing (laughs) and you can't get too much prepping done when you're in an apartment in Beijing. So today we're going to kind of focus in on the category of food Um, and specifically I want to talk about gardening. Now it's not just going to be general gardening or basic gardening, uh, although there I think there is a place for that, especially in Prepping 1.0, where we're talking about, let's face it, basics and generalities. And so We probably will do that, but today it's going to be a little more precise, um, and it's going to talk a little bit about, I would say... A, per, a personal thing where it's it's more like the nine common gardening mistakes as reported to me from Back Home Backwoods Home Magazine, which is a great magazine. I definitely recommend it. And they had an article called Nine Common Gardening Mistakes that I thought was pretty darn good. And I also found out that I made every single one of them. <laughs> now, to be fair, I still had a really good crop this year. It's only my second year in having a garden. Had a really good crop this year, and it's still coming. So you can make all nine other gardening mistakes and still be all pretty well off. But, you know, if you can avoid it, why not? So I wanted to talk about that, especially, you know, if we are in an event where going to the grocery store or having the grocery store come to you is difficult to do, you really want to be able to trust your garden to produce it would be even better if you had several years of your garden producing. So you could have canned it or dehydrated it or uh, freeze-dried it. And so I wanted to talk about those common gardening mistakes. Another thing I want to talk about before we get into that, however, is I want to talk about how I do my garden and therefore how I think, obviously, um, one could or should consider doing their garden when they're prepping because in a situation where, you know, things are collapsing or hitting the fan, you really want to have a garden that you know that you know produces and it's even better if you have a garden that produces without a lot of work. So for example, if you're too busy running around trying to keep everyone alive or whatever, you want to know that you have a nice garden, even if it's only perennials, that's going to produce a lot of food for you. So, I'm going to start off talking about that. And I'm going to go into the nine common gardening mistakes as reported from Backwoods Home magazine, which uh, I really enjoy this magazine. So, thinking about the way that I do my garden and suggest that you all do yours. I want to just say a word, permaculture. Now, some people are maybe excited when they hear that word. Some people maybe roll their eyes when they hear that word. A lot of people probably have no idea what I'm talking about when they hear that word. Bear with me, no matter who you are on that scale or spectrum, (laughs) bear with me. Permaculture. Permaculture has many variations and many masters, I believe the main pioneer started off in uh, Japan. I cannot say his name. I have tried and I I do want to read a lot of his books. I have not. (laughs) So so there you go with that. Um, But permaculture is the idea that You do companion planting to the ninth, the nth degree. You're basically doing companion planting in a way that mimics a forest setting, but you're kind of rigging it in your favor where the trees are surrounded by bushes and vegetables that help them and they help those bushes and vegetables. Flowers are planted that. Bring beneficial insects. Uh, tomatoes are an annual, so they would not be part of this. Squash, pumpkin, zucchini, all annuals. So they would not be part of this. What is part of this? Like I said, fruit trees, uh, raspberry, blackberry, uh, bushes, gooseberry bushes. Uh, another thing you might want to consider would be doo, 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 a lot of herbs that are perennial, very strong perennials and I would also I'm trying to blank which is just so predictable when you're doing a podcast um anyway you get the idea <laughs> but but they they work together and they form what is called a guild and the guild like I said, create is basically a small ecosystem where the plants all help each other. Now, I'm in the second year of my permaculture garden. It consists of, I oh gosh, eight or nine guilds. So what does that mean? I have a pear tree. Actually I actually have two pear trees, two apple trees, a peach tree, et cetera, et cetera. Each tree is a guild, which means it's surrounded by bushes, vines, and et cetera, that help it. Now I'm going to get into permaculture at a later date. And I guess that's the reason why I don't sound like I really have my ducks in a row as I talk about it now. I have done no preparation. I just wanted to bring it up. And the reason I wanted to bring up permaculture now is not to get into the details because I am going to do that at a later date. But I wanted to talk about permaculture now because it does play a role in your prepper garden. And since this podcast episode is about food and I think this is important to know. So I'm in my second year. All my trees are young, very young. Maybe two or three have gotten taller than me. All the others are much shorter than me at this moment. Also the bushes, the raspberry bushes have really found their voice this year. So they, next year, I think might have to trim back. But this is the first time that they have really kind of become a force. And it wasn't most of this year. So they are just now starting to like really become a thing. Strawberries, blueberries, I got all those strawberries and blueberries planted. They're just starting to literally flower. The strawberries are just starting to really spread. There's a lot that needs to happen still. And so why am I talking about this? The reason I'm talking about this is because as those perennials are finding their roots, you know, grapes, I have, I think, five or six grapevines, they are growing they have lots of leaves but those roots are not deep enough yet and they're they're not producing grapes yet so during this time there's a lot of gaps strawberries are not filling covering the ground and filling it up with a ground cover the blueberries are not big bushy blueberry bushes the gooseberries are not big bushy thorny bushes and the raspberries etc etc So there's a lot of gaps And that's what I do I put in my annuals at that time When you've got these gaps You put in your annuals You grow your annuals And when I grow my annuals I do companion planting for that So tomatoes love carrots and basil and etc And I do annuals in there And the annuals I tell you right now Are all the work (laughs) Planting the seeds Getting them to germinate Transferring them outside Tomatoes you gotta harden them up All that stuff is so much work, and it pays off, but it's a lot of work. The perennials, on the other hand, are very little work. You know, just look for bugs, look for pests, and kind of walk through your garden, which, oh my gosh, that's actually a lot of fun. Not a big deal there. I I have a little chair and table, so if I want to sit down with a cup of tea or something, I can do that too. So the perennials are really a joy, the annuals, that's the one that's got me crawling around in the dirt, planting um, planting tomato plants and zucchini plants and squash plants and et cetera, et cetera. So as the perennial garden begins to come into its own, like I said the raspberry bushes were, as that happens, it's going to fill in those gaps and the space for me to have annuals is going to rapidly diminish. As that happens, I will not plant annuals. However, I will be a miserable person and my wife will be much more miserable if there are no tomatoes. So what do you do then? Well, what you do then is you take a new tract of garden right next to your old one and you start the process over again. You get a lot of perennials, fruit trees grapevines, strawberry bushes, uh, strawberry plants, whatever you want to call them. I have some pineberry, which is a white strawberry, uh, blueberry, raspberry, gooseberry, all those things. You plant them right next to it. You got all your gaps for your annuals and you keep going. Before you know it, you have a virtual forest of food. And this is especially cool, like I said, during a collapse because this forest of food is surrounded by friends, and guess what? It's perennial, and it's strong. It does a very good job of surviving. It wants to survive, and it definitely creates fruit. So I expect to have pears, peaches, plums, uh, apples, lots of apples, and I expect to really be happy about it all. What's more, with a permaculture garden in a collapse... If you do it the right way, you can disguise this garden so it looks almost like forest and people will just walk right through it and not even realize they're walking past food. So this is not the you know, prim and proper Instagram garden or YouTube garden you see with the little hipster dude who, you know, oh, we bought five acres out in the countryside and look at our amazing farm. It's got mulch that you could clean your baby's, I don't know, (laughs) clean your baby's bottom with. Um, That is not realistic in terms of what I'm doing or what I think preppers should do. All power to people like that. They do kind of annoy me a little bit, but I'm so glad they have a passion they like. However, that is such a bullseye in any kind of collapse, and I don't want it. It's a lot of work to get all that pretty fresh beautiful mulch and soil and it's also a target get yourself a nice permaculture garden you know I do compost we have tons of acreage so we just scoop up all those leaves we put them in big garbage cans with holes drilled in drilled in them and they compost away I don't intend to buy potting soil ever again and you just keep going you've got your permaculture garden got your annuals in it As your permaculture garden grows, you just spread it and spread it and spread it. Before you know it, you have a virtual food forest, and that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. So I wanted to uh, jump on in now to the, the common garden mistakes as reported by Backwoods Home Magazine i tell you, I was um, feeling really good about myself this year. You know, I, I have no real pests except for the imported ones, which are stink bugs and Japanese beetles. Stink bugs are from Asia. Japanese beetles are from Asia. So excited to see the murder hornet come. I hope it does not come. I'm on the East Coast, and I hope not to see it there. I tell you, globalization really kick in the kicking the pants, isn't it? So... I was really feeling good about myself. Lots of flowers that have drawn in bees and you know beneficial insects. I've seen so many spiders and all kinds of amazing, cool ladybug colonies, and they've just been going after those terrible pests. I haven't had to worry about anything outside of a little fungus on some of my trees and plants. And I was really just you know giving myself a pat on the back and then I fell across this uh, uh, issue of the nine common gardening mistakes. And then just just like that, all my cockiness, my inexperience that manifests into cockiness from early success was evaporated and deflated and disappeared. <laughs> and so what I would like to do after we um, get back from our break, which is coming up, I like to jump on in, but before I do, I just want to—I know, I know—I'm being a dead horse, but I want to really kind of try to push this, this theory to you, where you are a prepper. Stop getting your fancy raised beds and your beautiful-looking mulch, and make a food forest. Make a food forest that doesn't look pretty and doesn't look like something anyone who's passing by wants to just sit down and kind of relax and stick around because I feel so safe here and oh my gosh there's food no 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 no. little thorns are good gooseberries get those gooseberry thorns going make it a look like a woods and make it not look amazing and pleasant so that someone if they do to come too close to your house they won't even know there's food there Okay, that's all we have for now. I'm going to go to a commercial break and we're going to jump right back in with these nine common mistakes. I'll talk to you soon. This is the Contra Radio Network.
0: Tired of getting censored on social media? Are you noticing less traffic to your business page or profile? Solve it by joining mumbleit.com today and experience true free speech social media. Join for free at
1: www.mumbleit.com. Experience real freedom today.
0: network CRN for all the right reasons
1: And we are back to prepping 1.0 thanks for sticking in with us I wanted to um, just remind you all we talked about. We talked about permaculture. We talked about making that perennial garden, starting with your little twig trees and your little tiny bushes and your little grapevines, therefore having a ton of space to make your annuals and plant your annuals among that and among them. And then when your perennials get so big, your blueberry bushes are huge and producing and your strawberry... Uh, plants are just running wild <laughs> That it's time to Expand and then do the same thing Plant some new baby Perennial trees Plant some blueberry bushes Plant some of those strawberry bushes Maybe some pineberry And go from there So uh, I talked about This Backwoods Home magazine And I'm just going to go right into These nine mistakes I, I mentioned how I thought I was The cat's meow with gardening And with uh creating a a bounty and then it just turns out that oh the earth is a good investment when it comes to gardening it really isn't so much my amazing skill although i'm getting there i'm gonna get there i'm telling you (laughs) so the first mistake that they talk about that i absolutely did was not preparing the soil i am guilty of this i I did put down a lot of uh, wood chips uh, a couple years ago And so I was hoping that those wood chips would really add a lot to the soil. But you really have to do more than add some wood chips a couple of years before you start your garden. It's not really going to do a ton. And so I made a big mistake right off the bat with my gardening adventures and exploits because I did not think about the soil. Again, everything I transplanted out to the garden and most of the things I planted directly, you know, sowed directly into the garden, they, they germinated and sprouted and I had a great harvest. But there's no question that if I had done more, if I had really gotten some good compost going or if I had at least figured out what kind of soil I have, <laughs> then that would have really helped a lot. You know, my my mother has always had an amazing garden. And um, I know now that, you know, they definitely have been working that soil. They've never moved since I was born. And I grew up and then left that house and they're still there. There's amazing soil there. There could be terrible soil, but they treat and prep the soil. They know their soil. They know what grows in their soil, and they don't mess around. They really treat it well. And so one of the things I know I did is I, I have a ton of rock in my soil. It's because of where I am. I'm in the northeast, and there's just a ton of rock up here. I'm not going to be where I am forever forever because it's not the best place to be in a collapse. But there is a ton of rock here, and I live here for now. And so that wreaked havoc on my carrots. I had no idea carrots were that sensitive. They're total divas. It's like, I'm going to just have to, like, prepare special containers or, or something for these carrots. And so that's, that was a, a lesson well learned. Uh, So figure out what kind of soil you have and prep your soil. Like I said, I have a great harvest this year, but the abundance that I would love to have and the abundance that I've seen on my mother's garden, that probably not there, honestly, considering how much I planted, probably not there. I I mean, I planted like 80 tomato plants, so believe me, there's a lot of food, but probably not as much as I could have had. You really want to test your soil. You want to test the drainage of your soil. Does water just kind of hang out? Or does it like quickly fade away and drain down into the earth? It's all the type of thing you want to know. Is it clay? Is it rocky ground? Guilty here. Rocky ground. Is it really uh, well-draining soil? Or is it too quick? I know that they say in New Jersey, tomatoes grow so well because of the soil, the sandy soil. Don't quite understand that, but I'm sure there's a lot I'm I'm missing there. (laughs) So after you know what kind of soil you have, and you know how well it drains, you know, is, is it quick draining? Is it slow draining? Is it sandy soil? Is it clay soil? Is it rocky soil? Then you know what kind of plants Have a really good easy time growing there. You know, there's there's a lot of plants that grow better in a lot of different soils. Like I said, tomatoes apparently grow well in sandier soil. That's just what I've heard. New Jersey has great plants for that, or great tomatoes for that reason. Now you also might want to test your soil for nutrients. And there's a lot of kits. I have never done this. I'm still not going to do this next year. I'm just not into it enough to do it, um, but that's something you could do. You could probably just go to Amazon, I would bet. You can buy everything on Amazon now, test those nutrients, pH levels, and find out what do you want to do from there. Next mistake, number two that they have listed here, and number two I am guilty of, starting too big. You know, like I said, this is my second year gardening. I have eight fruit trees. I have eight fruit guilds. So it's like hundreds and hundreds of flowers and plants and bushes and vines and beans and oh my god. And so it just got way out of control. I loved every minute of it because I just love diving into things like this. But it was definitely out of control. Uh, mistake number three is not paying attention to sunlight. Now I did pay attention to sunlight and that, you know, you want to have, if possible, a sloping hill facing the south sun and getting as much sun as possible. So I did pay attention to that. But what I didn't pay attention to is which plants don't need as much sun. They can handle the shady areas of your garden. Which plants really need all of it. I did do it a little bit, but I did not research this. So plants that don't mind shade, like beets or bok choy or... You know, carrots, kale, all these, especially these leafy greens, as my wife would say, roughage. And they don't need as much sun. And so if I had thought about that a little better, paid attention to that, I might have changed my, my planting design. I do use uh, guilds for my tomatoes, so I don't know how much it would have really changed. But I can think of a few areas where I definitely would have moved things around not choosing the right plants um i did not get my seeds at walmart or home depot oh, i did get a lot of seeds at home depot actually <laughs> so i got a lot of seeds at home depot i didn't get any at walmart i got a lot of seeds at the dollar store a ton what a great deal a dollar well, you get what you pay for. I will say that they, they did sprout and everything, but I planted a lot of seeds and definitely a lot of them did not germinate. A lot of them did, but a lot of them didn't. Um, I was very seduced by seed catalogs. I love seed catalogs. Baker Seeds, rareseeds.com, one of my favorite outside pride seed needs. Love them all. Spent a lot of money. Just make sure. Like I said, you're getting the plants and the seeds that do best in your climate. The plants and the seeds that thrive in your soil. I paid no attention to that. I just want nuts and bought a million seeds. Um, I think this kind of goes without saying if you're a serious gardener or trying to be a serious gardener like I am, uh, know your USDA gardening zone. That's a huge deal. I mean, there's a lot of things that just won't grow at all or will be very weak if you pick. um, And they don't match your zone. You just got to match your zone. So um, one thing that the magazine does also recommend is that you go ahead and use a local seed company. I don't know much about that uh, because I don't know many many local seed companies around here. I love Baker Seed or RareSeed.com, and I just go there a lot. Don't plant too early, I did that, especially with my tomatoes. I I planted them in cups, you know, my seeds, and I brought them out too early. They didn't die, but they had a tough go of it. I got to be honest. I wonder sometimes if they could have done better otherwise. Uh, mulch. That's all I'm just going to say. The one word, mulch. <laughs> you want a mulch? Uh, Yeah, I I. I didn't do this honestly I, I want my garden to look like a forest I do and I don't think I'm going to mulch too much next year but what I will do is I will find ways to mulch to some degree while still making it look like a food forest or a forest just a forest uh, and the reason is because you, you will be overrun by weeds you got to pull those weeds and you got to mulch not as much as if you're doing a traditional garden. A little bit of weeds is actually good, but you got to mulch around your plants a little bit. I think I'm going to use mostly compost. You don't have to go and buy something from Home Depot. You know, it's been painted, the wood chip, painted wood chips, mulch, or anything like that. You don't have to go buy even natural colored wood chips from the local landscaper. Just do your own mulch. I use and you can do it with compost made out of leaves or clippings from mowing the grass, that kind of thing. Uh, I did the magazine, does say don't let the mulch touch your plant stems because it makes them susceptible to, z- to disease. That I did not know, and so I will be watching out for that. But still, don't go too crazy because if it looks manicured, it looks like a target. Just remember that, okay. Um, mistake number eight, not harvesting. Yeah, that's guilty right there. My my wife has gotten better in terms of pushing me to do that, but especially with tomatoes and cucumbers, I just want the perfect tomato, with the perfect, perfect cucumber. <laughs> but you know, as for cucumbers, especially, if you don't pick them early and on time. They will stop producing or they will slow down and they're producing. So you really want to harvest. Harvest those cucumbers, tomatoes. I like to get them as red as possible, but pests kind of like them red as possible too. So if I pick them a little earlier, they can age on my windowsill and be delicious and be mine, which is a big deal. Squash, eggplant, all of these things are very delicious and also are essential to harvest on time. Another final mistake, not strolling through the garden often enough. I'm very guilty of this, but in my defense, I have two toddlers. So I call it my toddler garden because anyone who looks at that garden will say, wow, this guy's busy. He doesn't have time to really care for his garden. (laughs) It's my toddler garden. Like I said, part of that is because I'm trying to disguise it but part of it is because I do not have time with these little toddlers running around. Walk through your garden. Before I had kids, one of my biggest pleasures was waking up early, 5, 6 o'clock, walking outside, cup of coffee in my hand, just going through the garden, maybe getting a seat surrounded by tomato plants and trees, just sitting there listening to the birds, you know. And when you do these strolls, not only do you totally relax, You tend to see things. You see like, oh, there's a little bit of fungus on that plant. Is that a a hornworm working its thing there? What is going on? Is there Japanese beetles here? What's going on? You find things. And also you think of things, creative solutions or creative fun things you can add to your garden. So the daily stroll is the best thing in my uh, opinion. And actually, you know, I, I didn't do this, but not by lack of trying I definitely try to get out there every day. So that's what I would say. One other thing I would add, don't harvest seeds from non-heirloom vegetables or fruits and plant them in your garden unless you know what you're getting into, which is, it's probably not going to look like the food you harvested the seed from. I do this every year for fun. But I get some wacky things that I don't even know how to eat or cook or when they're ripe either, you know, so it can backfire on you and it often does backfire on me all the time. But if you want to experiment, which I love experimenting, do that. That's fine. But otherwise, don't do it. And if you're in a a collapse situation, it's really not time to experiment. So get yourself some nice heirloom seeds and um, better if they are from a reputable seller and from a local seller according to the magazine so just hitting you with these nine common mistakes i made every single one some of them not my fault others pretty much my fault (laughs) that's all for today i hope you have a great day and i'll talk to you later
0: thanks for listening to prepping 1.0 with aaron masters check in again soon Each podcast touches on one of the six key areas of preparation, food, water, shelter, security, health, wealth, and energy. See you next time.